broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him, and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. Slow your breathing down. It's okay. Buck fever happens. People miss. Sort yourself out. Get in a position. Quick, quick, quick. Yep, head out. There he is. Out there. Okay, three lines. There he is. See him there? You got him? You got him? Okay, he's going to go for the hole. Okay, get back on the hole. All right. You on the hole? Yeah. Okay, right. See him? Look at, look at him here. Perfect. He's Perfect. looking right at you. He's right there, out in the sun. You see him? You got him? Tell me when you got him. Yeah, I got one. Get yourself a line. Yeah, get on the front one, Mark. Front one. Okay? I don't care how many you got. You tell me when you got a shot. Okay. Going hot. All right. Here he is. You see him? You got him? You got him right there, standing dead still on the face. You got yeah. him? Yeah, I'm on him. Okay. When you're ready, right on the shoulder. Straight in. Okay. You've hit him far back. Yeah, he's going down. Yeah, he's done. Hit him, you hit him badly. So just arrived back at base after a great day hunting. Peter, how did we all go? I mean, we'll go through person by person and uh, give your assessment. First of all, we'll start with, well, how about, well, you, no, you do it. You'll go through person by person. Uh, I was awesome. <laughs> uh, no, look, it was a great day. And, uh, you know, hunting with new people is always fantastic. You know, it's just a chance to share your passion with, with you know, people that just end up being new mates, really. Mm. Um, young Tomo, he's, uh, he's really good on the range. Mm. And he just had a bit of a mirror, really. He uh, just got buck fever. You know, he said, he, he said again off, off bloody radio, which is always the case with all the good quotes. He's like, I just saw those antlers and I just didn't think. Mm. You know, he, he got buck fever. He missed a shot at 30 metres. And then his shot placement wasn't fantastic on the, on the, on the next shot, but we got the result. And uh, I, I was, I'm, I'm not normally that harsh with uh, uh, clients. I'm very supportive and nice, but uh, Mark and I have a long relationship and it's through the military. So I was a little bit more angry corporal with him than the normal. So if people thought I was a bit less than supportive there, uh, that's just to explain that. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, your you, you long shot, your 540 metres, um, it's the first time you shot over, what, 300? Mm. Uh, and, you know, I, I think, to be fair, you, you just missed. And, yeah. and we miss. And you had a crack at a deer, and well, there's no problems there. Um, it's in the back of a ute coming back to be turned into, uh, turned into stakes. Then when you're shooting at the rock, that yeah. rock was, a, again, 540 metres. Um, and there's no pressure when you're shooting at a rock. Mm. There's a lot of pressure that you, you place on yourself when, you, when you're trying for the long-range shot at a deer. And you nailed it. You nailed it first shot, too. Um, we had it all dialed up for you. You hit a rock, like quite literally, would you agree? Coffee cup-sized? Yeah. You hit a coffee cup-sized rock at 540 metres. So you didn't miss that one. Um, <laughs> so it'd be great to get you out for another crack at a deer past 500. Yeah. Um, and Mark, well, what can I say? Um, we started him on coffee cup-sized rocks rather than deer, and uh, yeah, he got an 862-metre kill, which yeah. is fantastic. Uh, then after that, it was I think it was 295 metres, which again is his second longest shot, 
and he says his longest shot was like 300 meters or so, but it was a complete fluke. Yeah. This wasn't a fluke. Mm. It was lined up, dialed in, away he went. So he, he had a great day. Um, he got two to you. You got one. Mark got one. Um, we've all got plenty of venison to take home. And, yeah, we've got some, some cull, cull deer out of the herd. So it was a bloody great day. Mm. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I would like to say thank you very mm. much for having us. So we've had an awesome day. Everyone's enjoyed yeah, themselves right. big time. And uh, a great venue. If people want to find out about uh, this place or how to come hunting with you, you've got a Facebook page. Uh, just very quickly, how do they find it? Uh, a link off your page, I guess. Uh, yeah. Onward Hunting. Uh, the only place I've kept it is on Facebook. The reason that, that is, is like you know, when I've got a web page and all that, I just get flooded and I just don't have the time. I'm mm. overseas more than I'm here. So if you want to get in touch with me, Facebook's the best way. Uh, and I'm trying to do sort of a, a period of hunting each school holidays sort of from, from now on. So holiday time, you'll be able to get me via Facebook, Onward Hunting. The audio that you just heard was taken during and after the hunt we had with Peter Bridal and Onward Hunting. And Peter now joins me by phone. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about long-range shooting because it seems since last week's show that's the most common email I'm getting. Peter, how are you? Good, thanks, mate. Now, this is interesting that you've sparked something here, I think, because your very own words were that long-range shooting, you don't think you're necessarily, you're not the best in the world at this, but I think it's something that a lot of guys in New Zealand and a lot of Kiwi hunters have a real interest in, or it's, it's, it's there, they just want to know more about it, don't they? Well, they can, uh, they can book a hunt and come down and uh, have a shot <laughs> if they want. That's not a problem, mate. Yeah. yeah. But I, I want to talk to you a little bit more about long-range shooting because I think... If we can, to some guys, it's that secret thing, isn't it? It's something they're not quite sure about. Um, like me, only a few weeks ago, I was a little bit nervous about taking any shot probably longer than 300 metres, and not because mm-hmm. I didn't have the ability. Probably I just hadn't done it. What advice do you have to anyone that's listening that wants to get into a bit of long-range shooting? Um, I'll jump on Facebook, uh, Precision Shooter. That's, uh, that's a page worth checking out. That's actually really good. Um, you ask me any questions you want at uh, Onward Hunting on Facebook. Uh, the other one to look on is, is just Google long-range shooting on YouTube. There's a whole heap of stuff on there. A lot of it's American, uh, and it's, it's actually really, really good info. Uh, have a chat with the guys at your, your local gun shop, your local hunting and fishing. There should be someone there that will uh, be able to point you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And just don't be afraid to talk to people that, that know a bit about it. There's, um, I'm not going to say a lot of contradictory uh, schools of, of thought on it, but there's a, there's a lot of different ways you can go about doing things. And you know, if you if you suss it out, find a way that's going to work for you. You can uh, you can actually get into it quite easily, and it, it is really quite accessible. One of the questions that we had was first of all the firearm that we were using on the on the on the trip that we took. Tell, tell us quickly just about that because everyone keeps going. What's the gun you used? Um, it's actually a Thompson Dimension. Uh, it's an off-the-shelf rifle. Uh, you can get that. Uh, well, you didn't have any in Taupo hunting and fishing when I was there the other day, and you should because I think they're a fantastic rifle. The reason, I've, the reason I've chosen that is because it's actually got a slightly different type of barrel on it. Now, most uh, well, lands and grooves, uh, you basically the two parts that make up your rifling in a barrel. The lands are the high points, and the grooves are obviously the low points. And with the R5 uh, barrel, the lands are opposite each other, which helps stabilise the bullet in flight. And the corners of the lands, which are normally a 90-degree angle, 
there are 45 degree angles, so you get a bit of less, uh, a bit less fouling, and it really stabilises the bullets quite quite well. Now that's something that was sort of military only for a long time, and uh, the Thompsons have started bringing them out. And the accuracy, well, you just check the reviews online, uh, but the, the reviews are pretty much. Uh, all saying the same thing. The, the accuracy borders from superb to, to supernatural. Mm. And I've found them to be just an amazingly accurate rifle. They're only about 1300 bucks, give or take. And the best part is you can change the barrels. It comes with two little tools. Uh, one of them is a torque key. And you can basically torque set the barrel uh, back on and then unscrew it, take it off. And you can change from, say, a 300 wind mag to a 233 in less than five minutes. Mm. Uh, it means you can have one really good quality scope and a couple of different cartridge, uh, well, different barrels and different complete cartridges you can you can shoot from that one rifle. So uh, I, I bought two of them. Um, I've got a 308 carbine, a 223, a 270, and the 300 Win Mag, and I've got the 2.5 to 10 uh, Carl Zeiss uh, scope and also the 6 for 24 Carl Zeiss scope. Mm. Now, I mean, I've got four different calibers that basically make eight different rifle combinations and they're superbly accurate uh, and you know just a great option if you don't want to spend an absolute fortune on a blazer or something like that and uh, yeah they, they shoot great the, 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 the torque bedded um, aluminium pillar bedding with a torque set in so your bedding's always great the triggers are adjustable from about oh, probably about two and a half, three pounds, right through to as heavy as you want it. Uh, you can do everything yourself, and they're just a superb little bit of kit. They've got high cheek comb as well. Uh, it helps helps a lot with the um, with the you know the long range shooting, and, and I just think they're a great bit of kit. Very cheap, very affordable, and uh, yeah, you can get them anywhere. Now, one thing I wanted to to bring up with you was time. It's it's really interesting yep. sitting up on that hill. Uh, we had deer 860-some metres away from us. You've got yep. all the time in the world. And I think that's one of the major differences I found. When you're bush stalking or close range, you're in a, mm. you're in a hurry. There's no other way to put it. You're wanting to lift up, identify yep. your target as quick as possible and as safe as possible, pull that trigger mm. because you're pretty damn close to that animal, whether that be a deer, yep. a pig, or whatever. When you're at those super long ranges, you really do, don't you? Just you, you've got time to figure it out, set it up, and do those calculations we did up on the hill. Mm. Well, I, I was I was lucky enough to um, uh, beat actually Clinchy's record for the farm. Uh, just a <laughs> he was a of bit gutted ago. about that too, wasn't he? <clears throat> yeah, I'd say he would be. Uh, but <clears throat> I, I did have quite a long time, and uh, I read the wind as best I could. But look, reading the wind is a bit of a black art. And adjusting if you miss is, uh, you know, something that can be a bit difficult at times. But um, I had a long time. I spent probably 10 minutes sitting there with my phone and uh, typed it all into the little ballistics program on my phone, as many factors as I could. And it, it gave me a dial-up for the windage. I dialed it in, and I was, uh, I was lucky enough to make it. It was 1,084. Mm. And not only was it, uh, a, a, you know, a, a, a dead-on hit right where I wanted, it would have hit within within two inches of my, my point of aim, um, but it clean-bowled the deer on the spot, exited, and yeah, it was just an instantaneous kill, which was really good. And all of that was because I just took the time to enter all the data into the phone uh, with a cartridge I, I knew well uh, from a rifle I'd shot quite a bit. And, you know, if, if, you've, if you're patient, if you've got the time, 
if you've got a smartphone, if you've got a reasonable rifle with good optics, there's absolutely no reason whatsoever that you can't go and do that yourself. Mm. And and we're going to talk about reloading next week, but before mm-hmm. then, it is it's really has come down to the you've got to get those loads custom or those those cartridges custom loaded, don't you? Well, I wouldn't say you have to, but I'll tell you what, it really, really, really does help. Yeah. You have the ability to fine-tune uh, a, a, a projectile and a powder load to your rifle that, that it likes. Often it may only be half a grain or even less uh, difference, and the, the accuracy you'll see will change completely. Um, some of the best ammunition on the market, now my rifle hates, uh, in the three oh eight. It hates the Hornaby um, SSTs, the 150-grain SSTs. They're a, they're a nice but the bit Fiocci, of ammo, aren't they? they they're, a great, they're a great yeah. round. They're yeah. superb. But it, it hates them. It, it shoots two inches with them. But then if I shoot the 150-grain SST, the exact same projectile, out of the Fiocci loads, it loves them. Hmm. It just, it, I mean, you get a jagged sort of 10 mil hole after five rounds of 308 through that versus a two-inch group with, with the Hornaby. So if you're hand-loading, it gives you the ability to, to tune the projectile to, to the rifle to the, you know, it's the purpose you want to use it for. And we're going to so talk more about that. Right hand load. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that next yep. week as well. But yep. you, you made some really... I've, I've actually been doing some reading after our trip about, the, about harmonics, and I think it was harmonics, but getting that, getting that rifle tuned very perfectly to a bit of ammo. And I think mm-hmm. it's something that the selling firearms day in and day out, we notice you can get the, the best ammo, the, the most expensive ammo, and it shoots like a pig out of a certain rifle. Yeah. For whatever yep. reason, um, and but there's so many factors that come into play with that, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, rate of twist. Um, look, I mean, I've just had rifles that just had, just quite honestly, just had bad barrels. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of firearms uh, shops will tell you, you know, grab four different packs of ammo off the shelf when you buy your rifle and see which one it likes. Where the beauty of hand loading is, you know, pick the projectiles you want to shoot. And then load up eight different hand loads using, you know, five five rounds of each, and see which one it shoots best. Mm. Um, and that's that's the beauty of hand loading. Um, you can specifically tune the projectile you want with the, the load you want to the rifle you want to shoot. So, and yeah, that, I re- really think it's worth doing. And that's all about getting our craft and our sport honed in, isn't it? It's it's about taking mm. it to the next level and understanding to another degree exactly what we're doing here, isn't it? Yeah, but look, if you, if you just want to get a bit of venison, you know, grab a dirty old second-hand Parker Hale 308, yeah. grab a box of Remington Core Locks off the shelf. Who cares if it shoots three inches? You're only shooting 100 metres. It'll roll a red deer every time. So, yeah, you know, I mean, if you, if you yeah. want to really chase those groups, hand load, definitely hand load. And just just on the next point, we, we use the app. I want to talk about some of the things that can affect accuracy over long distances and I suppose it's affecting it over short distances but it matters much less and and why they affect them first of all one thing I found fascinating and I'd read about it but is that Coriolis effect yeah well I mean the earth's spinning pretty fast Uh, look I'm going to take a punt I may be wrong but I think it's about three and a half thousand k's an hour the earth's moving so it's actually moving but pretty fast and um yeah, basically the earth will move out from underneath the bullet. Um, you sort of notice it over about a 1,000 metres. 
uh, can I think it varies at about as much as 10 inches. So we're talking sort of um, 250 mils, uh, depending on which way you're shooting. Uh, so yeah, I mean the the best the best way to see the effect is get an app, uh, you know, any ballistics app, and they'll they'll have uh, the ability to input the azimuth, you know, the the, mm. the bearing you're shooting on, and just do it at each point of the compass for your specific round. And I mean it varies a lot based on how fast the projectile is going and and the BC of the projectile, but you have a look. And you see over those four points of the compass, it really will vary quite quite a bit. Now, I mean, it will do that on the short shots, but I mean, we're talking a millimeter or two. That's right. Um, and the projectile's going so much faster over the short distances, it really doesn't have a great big effect on it. But certainly over a thousand meters, it's something that will come into play. It, it'll come into play enough that you know, if you're shooting at a two-liter milk bottle at a thousand meters, and many people do. And better shooters than me can regularly hit them. I mean, I can hit them, but just not as regularly as I'd like. But if you didn't calculate the Coriolis effect, you you would struggle. Mm. So, yeah. And, and humidity, massive difference, doesn't it? Yeah, humidity. Um, it, it, the, the funny thing about the humidity is it's it's the opposite way you'd, you'd think. I, I would have thought the more humid the air was, the, the more resistance it would place on the bullet. But it actually doesn't. Humid air is actually less dense. So the bullet will travel easier through humid air than it will dry air. Mm. So that that affects it. It affects it quite a bit too. Um, we're talking maybe, oh, depending on again the BC and a few other things and how fast the projectile's going, as much as sort of half an inch at 100 meters. Mm. So I mean, times that by a thousand meters, and that's gonna that's gonna make quite a big difference. And that's sort of every 20% the humidity changes. It can affect it up to half an inch. Yeah. So quite a lot. And, and then the next thing um, is actual temperature, isn't it? Just the, the total temperature on the day can affect it or does affect it somewhat. Well, the, the temperature affects it hugely, mm. um, a, a huge amount. And the reason that does is because it actually changes the burn rate of the powder, among other things. But the hotter the powder, the faster it will burn. And um, back, in the, back in the olden days, the uh, British Army actually used to have what they call tropical loads, where they, I mean, the rifles weren't as good as they are today, and they did have a tendency to sort of go up and smoke a bit. So they'd actually have less powder in uh, some ca- cases for, for you know shooting shooting guys in India and shooting in the tropics and stuff like that, because the propellant would burn faster. It'd create more pressure, overpressure the rifle. Obviously, go a lot faster out and um, sometimes blow up. So they'd have you know their cold weather loads and their hot weather loads. Now we don't need to worry about that so much with modern powders these days. But if you were really pushing the limits of what your rifle can do and you were used to shooting at negative 40 in the, in the tundra up in the northern hemisphere and you went and shot in Australia, there's a good chance you would, you would overpressure your rifle. So the, the burn rate of the powder really, really can, can change quite a bit with temperature. And again, uh, that's roughly about half an inch at 100 metres for every 11 degrees the temperature changes. That's 11 degrees centigrade. Gee. So it, it affects it quite a bit. And the temperature of your barrel does too, by miles. Uh, yes, it does. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, in the, when we're in the, the combat shooting team, um, the, uh, the old coach here, old Sergeant Major Mum, he uh, told us a story about um, uh, one shoot where the guys would shoot 25 uh, rounds at the 600 metre mound, and it was with a 30 round mag. And then they'd run to the 500 metre mound, and the next round everyone would go high on because you've had that round sitting in a hot chamber for 100 metres, and, you know, we're talking maybe 30, 40 seconds, um, and it's quite literally 
um, 40 or 50 degrees centigrade hotter than all of the other rounds that you just fired. So, of course, it would fly high. So it was aimed low with the first round at 500 and then fire the next four at your normal 500-metre point of aim. Mm. So it can definitely make a big a big difference. And a couple of other things that, that you type into the the um, the old calculator, the barometric pressure as well? Barometric pressure, uh, yeah, it changes obviously with altitude as well. Yeah. Um, but the great thing about an iPhone is barometric pressure is part of the uh, the weather app. Yeah. So you can you can add that in. Otherwise, uh, the, the the program I use for ballistics, uh, it just goes to the nearest weather station to where I'm at and downloads all the data from that. Mm. So yeah, that again that changes basically. You know, the higher you go, the the um, it's less. Yeah, the higher it is, the that's right. Yeah, the higher you are, the less it is. Um, and uh, again, it's sort of uh, for every sort of thousand feet you go up, you're looking at about half an inch. So it does change change quite a bit. But the other one I do put in is uh, the spin drift. Um, now that has to do with quite a few factors, sort of the the length of the projectile, the rate of twist of your barrel, uh, and you know it's in. Um, amount of rotations per inches so i have a, a one in ten inch um one in every oh it does one full rotation every 10 inches so known as a one in 10 twist now the different rate of twist affects the different kind of projectiles that will stable stabilize uh, one in 10 is good for the 208 grain i fire if it was a one in 12 i'd probably be better firing something a little bit lighter but if you think about it like a, like a gridiron ball, you know, when it's thrown, it's spinning. And anything that's spinning, it's sort of got the centrifugal force and all of that kind of other rubbish that's well beyond my comprehension. Um, but basically, the, the, the round will spin itself high and to the right. right. And that's because the rifling spins to the right. And you can factor in left-hand twist, right-hand twist, length of barrel, uh, rate of twist in the barrel, and length of the projectile. And all of that will calculate for you how quickly the, the round's going to spin off. Now, over about 1,000 metres, mine will actually spin uh, with the 208-grain AMAX. It will spin about 280 mils to the right, Gee. which is a lot. Mm. One thing, Peter, that, that struck me was... Doing all this kind of stuff and understanding this better doesn't just make you a better shooter at long range. It also makes you a better shooter and better at, at, a, at a craft in general, doesn't it? I think that's definitely a fair statement. Mm. Um, and it, it's just, it gives you a better understanding of how little things have a big effect over long range. You become a lot more aware of the little things. And if you're going for a 150-metre headshot and you, you, you miss it and you think, oh, geez, what did I do wrong there? But if you're a consistent long-range shooter, you go for that 150-metre headshot, you're thinking about all the little things. Mm. And all of those little things are things that just you take care of and you're far more likely to make those short shots. Uh, and look, it's... I don't know. I like tutuing with things and tinkering, and you know, I've got a the back of the car is absolutely full of car parts at the moment. You know, I love playing with my car and modifying it, and so on and so forth. Love reading hunting magazines and and just being able to sit down on the computer and watch videos on this and tinker and tutu and have a good think about things. It's actually really, really enjoyable. And then to go out into the field and put them into practice, look, it is absolutely fantastic fun. And you have a you have a lot of ups and downs. You learn a lot along the way. You find out what works, what doesn't work. But it's just another 
another thing that you can learn and have fun with along the way, you know, during doing what we do. Mm. So, And yeah. we're going to find out more about that next week when we really go into detail about reloading. Um, and and I, I genuinely yep. look forward to that. And again, thank you so much for having us down there. And I'm, I'm looking forward to some point coming back and seeing you again. It was a, We really did have a great experience. Well, we'd love to have you again. And uh, we've just I've just built a steel plate range there, which is yep. right next to the woolshed, basically. We've got four different um, uh, points you can shoot from there, and it changes the range, the elevation, the wind, and all of that on the full steel plates we've got. Got plates down to 1,050 metres, and I was lucky enough to have um, uh, guys I've had to three times now, uh, a guy named Tim and his father, Anthony. Uh, Tim's a, a young fellow that's joined the Army recently. Now, he shot beautifully today. Um, he shot three deer. His dad got two. Um, now, we're at really long range, out to 340 metres, but just being able to have the confidence and hitting that steel at 400 metres last night really just, you know, he had a great day today and uh, you know, having that range in is just, just another thing we can offer that, look, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of it. I think it's just, oh, I wish I'd done it six years ago, to be honest. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah, no, so next time you're down, come and have a shoot. We'd love to have you guys back. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next week. Yep, good as gold. Cheers, mate. That's right. Coming up next week, we've got another interview with Peter Bridle about reloading, his thoughts about it, and the great thing about all this stuff is that it's it's opinions, and we everyone's got an opinion, and Peter will, and I know you will as well, and we'd love your feedback on what Peter had to say today, but also what he's going to have to say next week. If you've got some questions about reloading, email us, info at thehuntingshow.co.nz, and I will put those to Peter, and we'll understand a little bit more about reloading and how it can affect our shooting. Coming up after that, we have dog training, training your dog for as a deer dog, buying a dog, all that kind of stuff, and how dogs enhance your hunting. And the guys in the States, the, um, the Hunting Dog podcast, will be just in raptures hearing that. A little bit more about New Zealand hunting dogs, and I'm hoping they tune in and share that show. We also have fitness while hunting, how to get the best out of our sport by staying fit, and a few other bits and pieces. We've got our big three as well, eating, fishing, and hunting all in one day. That's us for another week. Remember, you can win that great NZ Outdoor Hunting 12-month subscription. We love those boys down there. And I want to say a big thank you to Jet Boyle, Lower, NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine, Social Image, and that's got to be it. (laughs) All of you guys are great sponsors. We love your work. Be careful out there. I want to make sure that we have another week go by where no one gets injured or hurt or or killed hunting. Hate hearing it, and uh, so be safe. Good hunting. Podcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics.